of the podcast <laughs> they have like this whole spiel memorized and like yeah. <laughs> it's so professional <laughs> they're like a whole ass group of professional journalists that have been doing this for like six years and hi my name is like David Baxter, and tonight i'm gonna be doing this <laughs> humble bundle. i'm johnny bartlett and i'm the other half of the humble bundle bourgeoisie oh my gosh yeah um we we cover all of the games that come out every month on the humble choice that's our shtick so yeah hope you like it we're, we're gonna get into that we're on the second half for january 2021 yeah and we have not tonight is our first game up on the docket of the ambassador fractured timelines we also have Warhammer Chaos Bane, Pathologic 2, Tales of the Neon Sea, and Total Tank Simulator. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Baby! Yes! Tanks! <laughs> You're like scared. You're like, <laughs> your eyes just like. <laughs> Where was this enthusiasm when we were splitting these games up? <laughs> Not there at all, because I don't actually care that much about tanks. <laughs> I, there was the one dating sim game that like made all of the women based on like different types of tanks, like the P. Sherman and like all the different. I, that one with I, I can I can vibe with that, but I, don't know. I cannot wait for the uh, the sword dating sim game. <sighs> that one right like, was it boy, like boyfriend dungeon or something like that like yeah boyfriend dungeon oh, oh it looks good cannot wait yeah so uh but that's not tonight that's, that's gonna be that's later gonna on. be later on tonight uh we're going to be talking about not tonight it's developed by panic barn uh they're the people that uh made everyone knows the pixel phone soccer game tiki taka soccer uh classic it's a classic world renowned um this is really the only thing i can find it from them uh they publish though uh they're published by no more robots and they've done a lot of really cool interesting games uh like hypnospace outlaw descenders which is like a really cool sort of downhill biking game uh nowhere project uh yes your grace which is like based on shakespeare and family man which uh, has like a free prologue that I found, which looks kind of silly and goofy. It's like a like a comedy sort of uh, simulator, sort of like Postal Two. It looks like, um, hmm. but yeah, this is a Papers Please esque bouncer life simulator. It takes place in a post Brexit world uh, with a very heavy political element to it. 
So uh, you play as, and I should I should mention that this game was released in 2018 before Brexit officially happened. <laughs> so that's kind of where a lot of the the politics of this game kind of lies in that like very specific era. Uh, you play as an EU citizen. You're born uh, or living in like one of three predetermined reasons. You know, like you're Spanish or you know you're of a certain type of other heritage, and people are like, oh well, because of that reason, you're going to be deported. And the only way to avoid it is to have enough money in your money in your account by the end of the month uh, from working your government-issued bouncer job that you can pay off the government and prove that you have a value to society <laughs> and that you can stay in Britain. <laughs> they have to prove that they are like they 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 are of value to the society enough. But it, it seems a little strange that they're like targeting specifically like. It's like Irish people and Italian people and French people. Like, you're not allowed. No froggies, they say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the gameplay consists of checking people's licenses for inconsistencies or discrepancies if they aren't old enough to enter or if they have, you know, expired license, if they have a fake license. Uh, then you choose to let them in or deny them entry. Uh so you start out doing mainly just bars, but you can kind of eventually start working and doing more fancy stuff like galas and, uh, you know, border crossings, fun stuff like that, uh, which in that sense, it becomes very much like Papers, Please, where I, I honestly felt like I was just playing a modern British version of Papers, Please in the border crossing segments. Um, it gets more complicated as certain things are introduced, like VIPs, guest lists, clothing requirements, nationality bans, stuff like that, uh, work licenses. Uh, it's never quite as hard as like the late stages of Papers, Please, in my opinion. Uh, it's just hard enough that it requires your focus, but you can kind of honestly do some other things. Like I, When I played this game on my own, I was like watching YouTube videos while playing it. Seems like a chill game for the Switch. You have to manage your finances, your social credit score, and like a total Black Mirror-esque twist where like, you know, anything that you do that like the government doesn't like, like such as skipping work or, uh, you know, doing illegal things uh, will lower your social credit score and then possibly get you kicked out of the, com like the country. Uh, and eventually you also have to worry about like your health and stuff. Uh, you can do things like sell drugs, such as uh, cheese to cheese heads and and power pills to pill people to get extra cash um you can usually tell based on like some kind of aesthetic difference between them if they're like a real person that actually wants the drug or if they're a fed so watch out for the feds because <laughs> uh the police in this universe they 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 have a lot of time on their hands plenty of time to be setting up stings for gig workers instead of policing normally uh <laughs> That that's never happened in the real world. Shout out to uh, Uber and Lyft drivers that get this same crap pulled on them by undercover cops looking to find drivers that like are willing to take rides to people who don't have their phones with them at the moment. That's just predatory as fuck and is the thing that really happens. And I feel like that was super like real to world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are moral choices and paths that you can take towards helping like revolutionaries, or you can try to play it more safe. I feel like I didn't do enough of the revolutionary stuff that I've probably fucked up that whole storyline. I <laughs> I probably have to restart the whole game from the beginning in order to get the full revolutionary storyline, which kind of sucks. Because, uh, to be honest, this game kind of has bad pacing. Uh, the loops could be really tiring and repetitive, and uh, you often have to restart due to inoptimal play, or at least I felt like that way. You can kind of get away with 
failing a lot more in this game than probably a lot of other games, but I want to get all of the things and see all of the different things, and that requires doing a lot of resets, and that just takes a long time to have to talk with all the different people at the beginning of the day and then get to work and then start working. It, it takes a lot of time. Um, and because of that, and also the fact that you work an entire month for each chapter of the game, there's like three times as much gameplay here as Papers, Please. And like because it's less hard, you just there's less details to check and less complexity and the same amount of gameplay. Brevity is a good thing, I think. Saying what you want to say and then getting the hell out is something that I value. And and when, when it stays too long, it, it kind of overstays its, its welcome. And to me, I'm probably not going to finish this game for that reason. But it, it is still really cool. There's a lot of really fun moments in this game. One of my favorite moments is when you get to kick a kind of racist guy named Dave out of his own bar, and he has to walk <laughs> in through the back. It's really funny. Uh, <laughs> fuck you, Dave. Yeah, fuck you, Dave. Yeah, you basically have to like work every single day if you want to like maintain your social credit score, and it just takes a long time. So you slowly do get to like upgrade your apartment, your tools, and your look. And there's even like a DLC that takes place in Paris, and it's like turns it into a, a partial dating sim, which I think is kind of rad. <laughs> I really want to know how that works. But uh, in general, I'm glad that this game exists, but the gameplay doesn't really make me want to finish it, uh, just because of the repetitive nature of it. Uh, I would still recommend it to fans of Papers, Please, who want more of that style of gameplay, who, if you're the type of person who got, like, all of the endings in Papers, Please, and you want more, and you're craving more, this is, like, totally the thing for you, because you will find so much enjoyment and so much uh, time out of this game. But uh, for me, uh, I'm probably going to have to say that uh, my 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 time with this game is... It's, it's, it's lining to be over. It's, li it's lining up to be over. The, the, the time. Your time? Yeah. Your, ti your time? The, the, your time here? The time is up. The, ti the timeline? Yeah. Of, of Not Tonight is over? Yeah. Our next game is The Ambassador, Fractured <laughs> Timelines. <laughs> thank you, please. Thank you. <laughs> it was like it was like an improv when like i was just when, you, when you're just like in the middle of like song smash or something and like you're just like you can't remember the lyrics of this song and you're just like desperately looking at everyone else in their eyes like please will you save me will you save me save will you me, save me will you save me <laughs> go ahead uh the ambassador fractured timelines is a game by tiny dino games and this is their only game we get a lot of those here uh, this is a twin stick shooter. If you're not familiar with the concept of a twin stick shooter, it's a top-down perspective. One joystick controls your movement. One joystick controls which direction your character is facing in to attack. It's real straightforward. And it plays very traditional, like most of the other twin stick shooters in the genre. It doesn't really do anything wildly different. But it does have a mechanic in which you control time at your will. So you push a button, and you get this little radial circle around you, and anything that enters into that circle gets frozen. So this could be like traps from the environment, it could be moving blocks, it could be enemy attacks. As long as you have the button pushed down, everything in that circle will stop, but you only have a limited amount of time. It's like, probably about like two and a half, three seconds worth of it. And the recharge rate is pretty quick. But as long as things are in there, they're not moving. And that's sort of the core shtick of the game. There's no, like, dodge mechanic. It, you're dodging is freezing things in place and moving around them. There, there's a lot of movement puzzles that end up utilizing this. Like, you, you'll weave through 
trap areas of traps with like arrows that shoot out and you have to freeze the arrows and weave around them while you have time frozen or like blocks will smash against walls and like move in square patterns and stuff and you have to freeze it so you can move past it real quick there's there's a lot of really simple movement puzzles that use the the freezing and there's a lot of boss fights and enemy fights that basically require you to to use your freezing they'll attack you with some sort of unavoidable attack that takes up like half the screen you freeze it, you weave around it, and you get to the other side of them and can attack them. Uh, but other than that, it is the, the, the core gameplay loop is very basic. You have one attack that you can use, and that's it. There's no like special abilities or anything. It is just one attack, and that attack is to throw your weapon. When you throw your weapon, you have to wait for it to hit something, and then it comes back to you. So you get like one swing, wait a second, it comes back. One swing, wait a second, it comes back. And that's... That's the whole loop to the game. You can get other weapons that sort of change the style of the attack, but they don't fundamentally change the way you attack. And so no matter what you get across the board, it's just like I'm throwing an axe or I'm throwing two daggers to the side or whatever. Uh, And it, it leaves a lot of waiting and not a lot of engaging in the actual game. That's like one of my least favorite things in games when like instead of giving you like an interesting gameplay mechanic, they just force you to wait. Like, yeah, there's a boss that I'm going to talk about later that like it in, in Warhammer Chaos Bane that like the whole thing of it is that you just have to like sit there and like wait for the him to like reveal his his weak spot. And it's just not engaging gameplay. I hate that. Exactly. As a result, combat is just very slow and tedious in this game. You get you get swarmed by a, a group of five to six things and it's just. It's literally just walking around in a circle until you recharge your attack, swing, one-shot the thing, walk around in a circle again, and it's just repeating that over and over again. Uh, The boss fights were kind of interesting. Every little area ends in a boss fight, and the boss fights, they they were interesting to an extent, but nothing, like, mechanically unique. It was just sort of summon adds and the boss has like a big attack that's unavoidable unless you slow down time and move around. Mm. So... It, it, it's get four or five attacks on the boss, kill the three ads they spawn, dodge the attack, get four or five attacks on them. It's brave. <laughs> it's brave. <laughs> uh, and and dying in the game, when you die, it just brings you back to the start of the level. It's very abrupt. There's not like a death screen or a load screen. You just you die and you teleport back to the start of the level. All the enemies respawn. All the traps respawn and everything. And you just fight your way back. In that sense, it felt unconsequential and very uh, uninspired. J- just the fact that there wasn't even like a you're dead screen or anything. It was just like, boom, you're you're right back at the start. Which I guess kind of fits with the theming of the game. That it's like a time loop and there's weird shit going on with time that you can control. So like, I, I guess you're just the same character picking up where you left off, jumping back in time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know. It's not really explained in the storyline. The story is very much. <laughs> is it more like in service of like the game? Like uh, the the story is more like a, a, a an accessory to the gameplay. It really is. Yeah. You you start off going through the tutorial and you get a little brief bit of information like the kingdom's gonna die. Go out, time wizard, and fix it for us. And so you go out and you you save your town by fucking with time. Uh, and that's all they really give you to start. There's like three paths you can choose from. Each path has like 25 levels. So there's a lot of gameplay here. 
uh, but it is very repetitive. And the only like real story you find is like there's notebooks hidden throughout and the notebooks give you like three or four lines of lore about what's going on. You know, like this guy died from these dudes and that's why he's here or whatever. (laughs) The the basics. (laughs) The basics. Exactly. Uh, So there's not a lot of upfront story. Most of it's buried in books that you have to find hidden through levels. And and that's pretty much all there is to it. It's all right. The the loop gets repetitive and boring very quickly, but if you want a straightforward sort of no-nonsense arcade-style game, it might be perfect for you. Uh, There was a review on on Steam from a group called Fanbyte, which says, it feels like a lost gym from 1994. And I think that is such an adequate and accurate way to describe this game, because... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That, that's what it feels like. <laughs> like, like it's sort of like it takes this kind of design sensibilities of like the '90s, of like that sort of ocarina of time boss design of like you have to wait to hit the guy. <laughs> exactly. Okay. It, it feels like it was built for an arcade machine and not necessarily as like a standalone oh. experience. You know, if you, if you pick this up on an arcade machine, it'd feel, you know, great. You, you put a quarter in, you go until you die, and then you restart back at the level. Like, it, it feels very in vain of sort of early Super Mario World kind of stuff, where it, the gameplay itself is very simple, and you're just doing, like, a very simple mechanic of, in Mario, since jumping over things in a bunch of different environments. Is there a score counter, I wonder? There's not. I was going to say, that is one thing that is very emblematic of that era, is the, is the score counter. Of, of... Yeah, it just, <laughs> it just feels like the overall structure and design of the gameplay would fit an arcade cabinet very well. Yeah, okay, I got you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's it's it's alright. It's, it's decent. Uh, it might be boring, but it's very reminiscent of old school arcade games, so if that's your style and you're looking for a twin stick shooter of that era then go for it. It could be a lot of fun for you. Twitch-based with uh, some, some time manipulation mechanics. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's definitely... Uh, 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 war. 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 Come on, um, uh, oh, gosh. Come on, there's got to be something here. You um, can do it. I believe in you. You can, you, you can get a hammer as a weapon, I think. Can you? Uh, I think. Can, can, you, can you wage war with your hammer in that game? I mean, you're stopping war. I think you're you're the time police. Oh, so you're anti-war then. You're you're sort of a bane against the chaos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't put dab. Fucking, just to, just, <laughs> he said that so hard. He did a dab. <laughs> okay. Uh, fucking next game up on the dock, it's Warhammer Chaos Bane. This game is developed by Echo Software. Uh, you might have played their previous game, How to Survive, as well as How to Survive 2. Uh, those are, like, pretty fun zombie survival co-op crafting games that are, like, top-down perspective. Uh, but they also made sports sim classics, such as handball 17 and 21 and rugby 18 and 20 uh, as well as like a bunch of other weird obscure what they look like phone games like storm wanted corp and aqua panic 
And like, wasn't the last Warhammer game we covered? Didn't the developers do some weird sports games too? I think so. I don't know what it is with like I, the Warhammer franchise. I think it's the fact that they have this shotgun approach to licensing, where any developer that wants to do a Warhammer game can. It's just that they have to choose a very specific part of their universe to license. Like for the other game that we did, it was like a one planet, Gladius. And it was everyone trying to vie for control of Gladius. And it was like a RTS in the vein of civilization. Whereas this is more of a Diablo style game, uh, you know, in the vein of like Grim Dawn or uh, Van Helsing, Torchlight, uh, that kind of thing. But with the fantasy Warhammer angle. So it's your very typical ARPG hack and slash type of game. You assign moves to certain buttons and you unlock more passives by leveling up. Uh What's cool is that there is, like, a point-by system for your skills, so you have to, like, kind of assign value to certain skills depending on, like, what you think is better for your kit. If you want to have, like, a better basic attack, then you can make that better, but then you have to, like, remove certain other abilities or make them worse. And it sort of... It, it allows for more varied customization uh, while you're playing, and uh, I did I did li like that quite a lot. Um, although the loadouts are a little bit weird and i'll get to that in a minute but uh it's got full voice acting as well which is really cool i noticed it right away you don't have to read anything if you don't want to which is awesome for streams <laughs> uh it has i found this out up to four player online or local co-op huge plus local drop in drop out keyboard and mouse and controller support uh so if you wanted to, you could just like be chilling with this game and be like somebody walks in the room, says, hey, what are you playing? And you say, you want to play too? Give them a controller and they can just hop right in. No, no, no waiting or anything. Uh, Damn. I think w one of the ways that they do that is by making currency something that is probably like shared with everybody because the currency really is not used to buy anything in this game. You donate all of the crap that you get from people to like your, your like war chest and they give you a, like different uh, cosmetic appearances that you can change and apply over your armor instead of like buying necessarily like better armor from the store. So you find it all from just playing the game, pretty much. Yeah, I, I, just, I think it's a cool system. It allows for people to not feel like they're missing out if they only play for a little while because you're not like trying to get like this crazy character leveled up to like a, a mass level. Like you, you, you can do like point by stuff, but like I don't know. It's just it's very easy to to get people involved. Um, that being said, it is a little too easy on normal. Uh, I highly recommend bringing up the diff difficulty, uh, bumping it up to like hard or very hard for your first playthrough. Uh, just because I was just not having that much fun. I wasn't really thinking that much, and when I did die, it was just because I wasn't paying attention to the game. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so so yeah there's also a hardcore permadeath option so that's available for players who like that i, I definitely didn't do that uh all of the characters that i tried out for the game were really fun and unique they have different sort of play styles there's five of them that you can play with and one extra dlc expansion character if you want to pay for it uh i played the most of the slayer class they're this dwarf named braggy axe biter who who fights with three axes and i say three because he's got one in each hand and the third is his beard it's beautiful <laughs> he's got he's got he's got a an axe in his beard it's great um 
he goes in rough and his space bar ability is to pull himself closer to his enemies and so he's all about like getting in close he's sort of like a barbarian type character uh, i also tried out the dwarf engineer who i really enjoyed uh their secondary ability is just like a fucking flamethrower and their basic attack is to like swing with their mallet and then shoot with a gun <laughs> and they constantly are doing that and it's just really cool um they also have like this overheat ability for their space bar like after using their flamethrower they get like an extra little flame burst um there's also like the wood elf scout they got like bows for days and a dodge ability there's the imperial soldier who's like your standard sword and shield dude with a block ability um it's good enough variety to warrant replayability uh but, like, it is nothing new if you've played Diablo-style games before. And the fact that the game is basically just, like, the same but a little harder every time that you play will probably turn some people off. Though I know that veterans of Diablo, like, that's that's kind of what they're in for already. <laughs> yeah. It's all about the grind and getting to the highest uh, difficulty level for a lot of people. And that's definitely here in spades. Um, there is one funny little quirk about this game is that it lets you go straight to chapter six right away and i don't know why i i just i did i wasn't paying attention and i just skipped everything and i went right to chapter six <laughs> and i beat chapter six and and it didn't tell me to like leave or anything it didn't tell me that i was done with the game that i had finished chapter six it just let me do more expeditions if i wanted to and so i was like so confused i was like what am i doing with my life is the game over? What do I do? <laughs> and then somebody in my chat was like, you're in chapter six, dumbass. Get out of here. <laughs> but the, the cool thing about that is that I didn't even notice because the game scales to those later levels and uh, actually makes them playable. So you can actually, if you wanted to, just pop into a later chapter with a new character and just have a good time, uh, which I think is pretty rad. Uh, there are some nitpicks. I think the story really isn't much to talk about. There's not, not much to write home. It's pretty meh. Couldn't really care much about it, to be honest. It did give a nice enough set dressing to vibe with the endless destruction and mayhem, but that's about it. Uh, the repeated voice lines for certain moves gets really old. I can't tell you how many times I heard the phrase, I'm out of bloodlust! I need to recover! It, it just got like... <laughs> I know you need bloodlust, just, just calm down, you dwarf. That ability isn't ready yet. That ability isn't ready yet. I must recharge. Yeah, I <laughs> it's I think that's there's some charm to that, uh, in some ways, but it'll definitely annoy some players. <laughs> All I can think of when I hear voice lines like that is just like back when, when I first started playing World of Warcraft and didn't know about shutting off certain sounds and stuff. And... <laughs> yeah, it's totally like that. Yeah. I'm out of mana. I'm out of mana. I'm out of mana. See, like, if I could get rid of that sound in the game, maybe there is a way to do that. There isn't. But if I could, then I would, because goddamn, you say it so many times. You say, like, because whenever you're out of mana and you try to cast something, or, like, just, ah, yeah, anyway. <laughs> the loadout system, as I mentioned earlier, is weird. It requires you to have an entire second set of armor in order to uh, assign different skills to, uh like that different loadout so i just want to have like a new loadout of skills right but i have to get an entire second set of armor i think the purpose of that is that they want you to be always trying to build toward a complete set of items but the benefits are usually so negligible for, for full sets of armor that i just don't even care it's like 
five plus five percent maximum HP if you get five items in a set, and that's like everything. That's like your your gloves, your 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 hat, your chest, your pants. It's like everything. So I don't know. It didn't didn't seem like a useful system to me. Uh, other modes are unlocked through play, like optional expeditions, like I mentioned earlier. There's also like a boss rush mode and some other stuff. Uh, there's like a 10 to 15 hour play time for this game in order to get to the ending, uh, which means that second playthroughs are a lot easier to justify because you can probably crack crank that out in like an evening or two uh, if you really, really wanted to. Uh, so honestly, I do like it a lot. I'll probably end up finishing it at some point at the and trying out some of the higher difficulties, especially if I can rope a friend into playing it with me, getting some local co-op something going on. Yeah, I see him. I, I see him waving. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's nothing new. Uh, and by that metric, nothing special. Uh, but the game, from what I can tell, got really panned on release. And the devs uh, did seem to be adding a lot of love to the game. It started out with only four playable characters, and they added the fifth, the uh, the dwarf engineer character that I really like, just for free uh, to the game, which I really appreciate when de developers do stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'd say that uh, this is a game that, that deserves your love like the next entry on our list. Did I do it? Did did I do it? Pathologic two. Yeah, right. Because that 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 game loves you, right? It lo it just it loves you so much. <laughs> <laughs> this, he's laughing because it's like one of the most painful games. <laughs> this is a game from Ice Pick Lodge, who also developed the original Pathologic, Knock Knock, which is like a surreal explore this weird bunker and weird shit happens like point and click esque fallout shelter kind of game. I don't know. It looked interesting. Cargo, which is Banjo Kazooie nuts and bolts but with planes. <laughs> and <Okay. laughs> Hell yeah. And the Void, which is another sort of surreal horror town exploration game, very much in the vein of Pathologic. This is a first person here, here's that word again, surreal, survival horror. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you're not familiar with the concept of just, like, surreal, weird bullshit, uh, <laughs> this game, there's there's bird people walking around, there's, like, toad folk, and it's all, it's all normalized. Like, I think that's such a an important concept of surrealism is that like, mm -hmm. it's all normalized. You, you walk into a building and you walk out and suddenly half the town is on fire and everyone's just like, yeah, that's our town. We all about making the abnormal normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. <laughs> um, all, all kinds of weird shit is constantly happening and popping up and the town is shifting and changing nightly. And just as you think you figured it out, the game's just like, ha ha, fuck you. No, you haven't. <laughs> There was there was one point um I'll, I'll get into story stuff in a little bit here. Uh but apparently we we found out that Pathologic 2 is pretty much a direct remake from Pathologic 1. So if you've played the first Pathologic, you're probably very familiar with everything that's going on in this one. Oh yeah. But they redesigned the mechanics and the systems and the graphics, so it it's an entire remaster. Not sure why they slapped a 2 on the end of it for it. Yeah, kind of makes it seem like you have to have played the first in order to play the second but you definitely don't you don't the, you are you are playing through the first one in the second one basically yeah 
Uh, the only difference is you don't have access to the two other characters that you can play through as in Pathologic 1. They may come later as DLC. It's been rumored as from the developers. Uh, but that's a, that's a we'll wait and see thing. Mm-hmm. The, the gameplay of this, it's, it's all about managing your interaction with the people in the town, balancing your reputation, while also trying to find information about who killed your father and maintaining your health and food and stamina and water. Yes, that's all that's all of the traits. Uh so yeah, that's that's what the core gameplay is about. And survival in this game is not easy. Most of my days were spent just wandering around scavenging for what little items I could find to either sell or trade for food because Chaboy gets hungry a lot. <laughs> and so you're going to you're going to spend a good amount of time just like just eating in this game but it it's worth it like it's part of the experience and that that constant uh fear of of being at the brink of death at any moment because you you're too focused on talking to people and actually advancing the quest line like it, it it's a really good balance and it never feels like you're missing out on too much because you're trying to survive so there's combat and you'll often get into tussles with folk like you can piss them off very easily, uh, and if they piss you off, they'll just start swinging punches at you, especially if your reputation is low. If you have low reputation and you walk into the zone, everyone is, like, immediately hostile with you. And getting your reputation back up is incredibly difficult once you've dropped it down. So, get in. One of the one of the parts that, that was a pain in the ass is that if you got into a fight, and you like if they provoked a fight and you swing back, your reputation will still decrease. So most fights were often better just ignored and ran away from, uh, because as soon as you entered another location or in through a doorway, the the person just like disengaged with you entirely. So it, it was a lot easier to just run away from fights than risk dropping your reputation. However, murdering people is a great way to get cash <laughs> because you will always be starved of cash in this game. But organs sell for like four hundred a pop, so like Yo. <laughs> you can successfully harvest some organs. I mean, like that's sort of the whole thing about the higher specs playthrough, especially in the first game. From what I understand, is that like it's the playthrough that makes you want to make all of the really hard decisions. That like it makes you want to like you know murder and kills so that you have resources that you can actually like you know survive the next day, even though like that might hurt your reputation. Absolutely, because, like, the more resources you have access to, the more of the story and the world you get to explore, because you're not focused on buying one $800 fish. <laughs> so, but but it's nice, because you can you can sometimes stumble across bodies, just like, someone died from the plague, and their body's just in the street. So, like, cool, free cash. Yeah, so. that's one of the cool things about the game, is that it almost feels like an immersive sim in some ways. That, like, it's this world that's constantly progressing through time, and that it will progress without you if you aren't there to do things within it. Like Yeah, it does not give a shit about where you are. Like, And that's yeah. the thing, too, is a lot of quests are time-dependent. So when you get a certain quest, it's you have today to complete that. And if you don't do it today, it's gone forever. Mm-hmm. And so th- those actions all have consequences. Like, you could miss a quest that would have given you food. Or you could miss the quest to deliver something to someone. And that someone might end up dead. Like... There's there's a lot of really nuanced things that this world is constantly in motion even when you're not there, which is a very cool aspect. 
and there's a lot of like moral decisions and stuff like that that you have to make along the way of like uh i i took the example from the first pathologic and i'm not sure if it's in the second pathologic spoiler warning for pathologic 2 until 43 minutes and 49 seconds there there is the a quest where you have to um take a bunch of supplies from this one place and deliver them to another place and it takes a while to walk from one place to the other like like that takes time out of your day that you could be using to do other shit and mm -hmm. when you go there you find out that the place that you're supposed to deliver is dead from the plague everyone there is dead no one has survived and so now you have the option of walking all the way back and wasting more time to go and deliver um the stuff back to the person and that you then you barely get any reward for it you get like a couple of nuts basically that they, that you can maybe trade with a kid for like a special thing and like that's it um or you keep all of the food to yourself and say fuck the people that this came from like this is my food now yeah it's wild and there's all kinds of things like that uh one, one of the things i wanted to point out is that like mechanics are gated by what happens too uh, there, there's, there's a whole aspect of being able to craft medicine and treat and diagnose the people of the town, but you don't get that until you reach a certain point in the storyline, hmm. which you can do at any point. Like the first day you could rush it and, and get that mechanic unlocked most likely, uh, uh actually probably take you the second day, but I didn't unlock it until like my fourth day because it just took me that long to get around to doing this mission. Yeah. So and they, even even your character feels like you're just constantly unlocking and discovering new things you can do as a player. It, it it's really good, and the game is long, like really long, <laughs> a lot longer than I was expecting. There are twelve days total you have to make it through, something something like that. I, mm -hmm. I don't know the exact. I think I think it's twelve days. Uh, and and every day the world is just changing and evolving, and there's like. I think time to complete is like 21 hours in this game. <laughs> and that's like if you don't constantly fuck up and have to save and reload. Like, <laughs> Speaking of saving and reload. All right, let's hit this real quick while we're here. While, while we got that segue. Oh, dying in this game. Dying in this game is a nightmare. Because they have a really, really, really fucking cool feature. In that if you die... You basically, uh, minor spoilers, uh, you are actually kind of, kind of major spoiler. I don't know what's a spoiler in this game. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is a spoiler. Nothing is real. Oh, uh, okay. We'll mark this as spoilers. We'll just, we'll just carry the spoiler tag from earlier to here. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you are just an actor in a play, basically. Like the, the, the whole concept of this game is that like, the character you are is just an actor being played by an actor from the theater. And when you die, you just become a new actor who's sent out into the world to continue this theatrical experience. It's it's meta as hell. They they constantly describe it as theater of cruelty, which it feels like that, both in the sense that you are you are an actor that can just run around and kill people because that's part of the experience. And also, you as a player are aware that you're a character, but you're playing a character that is inhabiting an actual person that was in this town, and the person is treated like and acts as though they are that person, even though you as a player know that it's a character. Like, it's weird. And so, like, you as a player, you're just like, this is all fucking dumb. Why am I even... <laughs> I, I, I will say that as somebody who, you know, like it, we're, we're theater majors, and, like, I feel like that element of the game really played well to us in particular, because, like, 
just we, we already talk about in this podcast a lot about how we feel like games are theatrical experiences in which the 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 participant the audience is an actor in the experience and and that has never been so literal as in this game where you are constantly referenced as an actor in a story making decisions that will like affect the world but the world is a play and 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 it it, it knows that and it constantly like references that so i i think yeah. it's interesting especially the further you it's get really along good. the meta narrative of it i i love it the meta narrative is ama- is amazing but to that point yes <laughs> when yes. you die and you become another actor in this play you get a debuff and the debuff permanently affects the gameplay or the world around you uh some of the ones that i got was my health was permanently decreased uh, another one was that I I just sometimes remain silent in conversations. I can't pick an option. My character just remains silent. Uh, another one was Rat. Some character named Rat was just released into the world, and who knows what consequences it will have. <laughs> Enjoy Rat. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you better go find him, because he's out there now. <laughs> um... <laughs> So you get these negative modifiers, which is super cool. And 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 it goes through this cutscene, and it's like, here's your new negative modifier, and you walk out the theater, and then it loads your fucking save slot, too. Mm-hmm. So, so you get punished with a negative modifier, and you also get punished by losing any progress you've made since you last saved. So it, it's just this, like, double consequence for, for dying, which feels unnecessary and just unfair as a player. So you have to you have to remember to save constantly in this game too. Like if you forget to save, then you just you're gonna set yourself back hours and hours of gameplay. Which I did con like the three oh, yeah. times I died, I had to go back probably like three and a half four hours because I just I just wasn't thinking about saving. The quick save uh, button is your friend. There's no quick save button. Is there not? No, you have to save at save spots. Oh, that's actually crazy. Yeah, oh, there shit. are there are clocks and clocks are the places that you save at through like they're in they're in most major buildings and that's the only way you can save. I think that's different than the first pathologic. I think the first one is save load system where it's like yeah. everybody save scummed their way through that game because it's the only way to get through it. It sucks because like I I don't know it it feels like just mechanically it feels like when you open that theater or it should just take pick up where you left off at. And just have that negative modifier, but but it doesn't. It sends you back as well with the permanent negative fi- modifier too. So it it is almost more advantageous to like when you know you're gonna die, just Alt F4 because you're going back to your safe spot anyways. So just just close out of the game real quick and reload it because you're gonna be right back to where you'd be anyways for dying. And if you don't catch it, then you just have to live with the theater of cruelty, making <laughs> your life that much worse and. And really just making you want to start the game all over or just never play it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so so the, 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 the death mechanics are a little scummy. They're really cool, but also really scummy. Uh, it, that, that's like the only negative thing I have to say about this, though. Everything else about it was just like... It's very good. It's very good. I've I've already hit on a couple spoilers. I don't want to give too much away about this because just talking about the game feels like a spoiler sometimes. It's but true. also not. Uh, the the long story short of it is you're coming back to your hometown after the request of your father. You got a letter from him and he's like, "Hey, come back. We need your help here for some stuff." Uh, he doesn't tell you what stuff it is. You show up in the town. You get your shit rocked and kill some people at the spawn, and you find out your father's dead and everyone thinks you're the one who killed him. So. 
all you have to do is survive a day and then everyone's like, oh, it wasn't him. Let's figure out who the real killer is. And then you begin your murder mystery of discovering who your father's murderer is. And that's all that all happens in the first 10 minutes of gameplay. So (laughs) (laughs) after a very weird, surreal introduction with a man on a train, but that's that's the gist of the story. You're you're investigating what happened to your father while trying to help your town through this plague that they're going through that's constantly evolving and changing and making things weird. So, really good. And a huge thank you to uh, Sleeper from our Discord who helped me mm. set up the game with Reshade because if you if you set up Reshade, it looks fucking amazing. The game looks absolutely stunning with, with ray tracing and stuff enabled. And it gets rid of a lot of the, there were some weird frame drops that kept happening, especially entering buildings. And it gets rid of all of those and cleans it up. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, if you, if you get the chance and have the knowledge and tools run, run reshade, get it set up. And it, it makes this game way better. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an absolute wild ride. I, I recommend this game wholeheartedly. I'm going to go back and finish it, which I don't say about a lot of games in the bundle. Um, I, and I've still got like 20 hours to put into this damn game. It's a game that I honestly am thinking about claiming for myself. And I don't normally claim the, the, the other games that uh, you know my partner here plays, but like this is one that really, really stands out to me. It's absolutely, absolutely worth it. I think, I think if... You're a video game aficionado, a, a horror person, a member of the theater, uh, even just someone who wants to sort of tangentially experience this and you're not much of a video gamer yourself. Like, go go watch a playthrough of this. It's it's that good. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It is It is a uh, a sea of surreal tales in which you must play just like our next game tales of the neon sea developed by palm pioneer i believe this is their first game uh it is published by zodiac interactive with other titles like wanba warriors musings can and candleman the complete journey which actually looks very cute it's like a platforming game where you play as a candle and you have like a limited amount of time to walk around before your candle burns out. <laughs> Very cute. Uh, anyway, uh, this is a cyberpunk noir detective adventure game with loads of intrigue and cats, baby. I, I didn't expect the sheer number of, of feline friendship in this game, but uh, I was delighted by it. Uh, so basically... In this game, you wander around the city solving mysteries as a private eye and former cop by the name of Rex. Uh, you also get to play as his stray cat, William, for a, a shocking amount of the runtime. <laughs> it, it's kind of great. Uh, it's like literally like half the game is just you running around as a cat. I love it. Hell yeah. The story chugs along kind of slowly as you piece together these clues of a larger mystery involving the return of a serial killer who is thought to be long dead. You're, you you spend your time solving puzzles, helping people in their side quests, and uh, investigating crime scenes when they come up. The prologue that you play through at the very beginning is set in the future, and it does that thing that a lot of stories do, like Uncharted 2, where it like starts you in like the middle or the end of the story, and then and then it was like, all right, 
flashback. How did we get here? <laughs> and so the rest <laughs> of the game is sort of like trying to figure out what led to that moment where you're being chased by the serial killer in this dark sewer. Uh, the game plays sort of like a 10-hour-long interactive movie or TV series separated into chapters or scenes with lots of stuff to interact with and read about uh, along the way. There are uh, There's like this menu in the main menu where you can go and and play through previous sections of gameplay in like a scene selection just like a movie uh so that's actually pretty cool but it doesn't replace the fact that uh there's no like history button so you can see like the the text that was just spoken i clicked forward a couple times on accident and i missed some dialogue and there's no way for me to reread that and that's a bit of a pain i hate when that happens yeah seriously uh, also, there's no voice acting in this game, so it means that I blasted through this like pretty quick on my own. Yeah, so streaming it just required a bit more effort, is all, because I had to put voices into all the characters. But in some ways, it kind of endeared me to them a little more, because I had, like in my mind, created characters for all these the these uh, voices and stuff, and gave them more more personality. That like when it wasn't there anymore, suddenly I was like hearing the voices in my head. <laughs> Um, there are lots of references in the game, uh, not like anything that really intrudes a whole lot. Like the, your little robot butler, I'm like 99% sure is based off of Short Circuit, uh, who's Johnny Five, uh, like little robot butler, like old 80s movie uh, that like Wally is also loosely based off of. Uh, there's also like a One Piece poster in the background. It's, you know, usually tasteful stuff. Um there's uh, crime scene investigations, and they're kind of lame, to be honest. Uh, you just kind of like click around on every possible item uh, until you've found every single gear in this little gear puzzle, and then you just assemble the gear puzzle, and then the detective tells you what happened. And to be fair, usually after having gathered and looked at all the clues, I can basically put it together myself. But having this like extra little mini-game gear puzzle thing just felt kind of arbitrary in terms of like putting together the logic of the whole thing i'd much rather just actually put it together in my head instead of gears um yeah the game feels somewhat aimless in terms of plot structure i'd say as well uh despite feeling so like finely directed and having such a a set like scene by scene transition uh the game will happily go on tangents just to explain, for example, what your cat was up to when he just suddenly <laughs> shows up at the right moment, like during an investigation with the missing murder weapon. <laughs> and, and like that would just like blow my mind. I would just be like, are you kidding me? They were like a deus ex machina for like five seconds. And now we're going on an hour long tangent learning about the cat mafia. What? <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I didn't know what to feel when I was going through it, but now that I'm done with it, I'm like, okay, that was a lot of fun. But it, I just, it, 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 like the ride of it was just an unexpected turn after unexpected turn of not knowing exactly where the story was even wanting to go next because <laughs> of all of these tangents. Uh, and But their their partnership with, with, with the cat, it ends up becoming pretty central to the game and the mechanics of the story you'll be switching between them a lot at prescripted moments. Um, and the side quests are, are cool. They do flesh out the larger world, and some are very memorable. But I did find myself struggling to see why I was just doing all this stuff in, in the world. 
Like, I wasn't being paid for it. Uh, I was just kind of a nice guy fixing problems and doing things for people because I'm a cool guy. And, I mean, that's all right, but I don't know. Maybe I just didn't read enough into the story. (laughs) 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 It's always a possibility. Um, Like, the major plot thread kind of tying all of the motivations together is just that Rex wants to find out what's going on with these hallucinations he keeps seeing whenever he interacts with these suspicious devices he finds in uh, his investigations usually attached to a robot brain uh and they feature the serial killer he thought was dead for years so like it's got this whole element of mystery of like well what's going on here well what, what what's what's the deal with this new robot cult and uh in in that sense i feel like i should probably talk about like it's it's how it does cyberpunk because i think it does do cyberpunk pretty well it's not like a, a hardcore cyberpunk story but the way that like the camera is always held kind of far back so that it lets you see like the entire scene of what's going on at any given moment it reminds me of those scenes of blade runner where uh it would just be focusing on like the environment and the storytelling of like uh, the the how the world sort of reflects the the inner turmoil of the characters uh i, I did feel like in some ways I could get a little bit of that uh, just from like the way that the world was designed and how I could, you know, just take in everything. But it also kind of felt a little bit removed because I kind of wanted to be more up close and personal into the, the faces of these characters uh, sometimes. And it never quite got to that point for me sometimes. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> When you run out of things to say, and you just say yeah. So um, it's it's a pretty cool game. This is uh, the type of game that normally I would have finished for the show, given its shorter length. I've just been really busy lately with moving and stuff. Uh, I probably will finish it in my own time, just because it's only I've only got a couple more hours left, I think, of the story, and I really want to see how it mm-hmm. ends up finishing up. Uh, and also, it just seems remarkably easy to complete. If I wanted to, I could probably just like within an evening or so more of play get 100% completion on the game, which is pretty rad. Uh, but yeah, um, other than that, though, it's it it's cool. It, it's, it's, like I said, like a movie. And if you're into cyberpunk fiction, if you're into noir fiction, and if you like cats and adventure games, you'll, 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 you'll definitely find a lot to enjoy here. So the next game uh, is not about cats. It's about... It's about tanks. The opposite of cats. Unless you're talking about Heathcliff. And he, he has this ham tank. Have you seen his ham tank? It's very popular with the kids. I haven't. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, the ham tank. I have seen that. Yeah, yeah you, you know the ham tank. You know, you I know, know the, the ham tank. You know I know Heath, the ham tank. You, you know Heath, Heath, Heathcliff's good ham tank. See, I, I managed to make that transition work somehow. Yes, Maybe. the next game is Total Ham Simulator, a game you from go. noobs from... Pol- oh, wait, Total Tank Simulator, shit. <laughs> uh, Total Ham Tank Simulator. <laughs> a game from uh, noobs from Poland, which is a hell of a development studio name. That is a... Wow, okay. <laughs> huh. Uh, this is their only game, uh, in case you haven't heard of the well-renowned noobs from Poland, that's why. And this is a top-down unit management game with a twist. The game is super unique and innovative. 
in that you do all the planet planning, right? You purchase your units, you you line the streets with your tanks and decide where they're gonna attack. Uh, you, you the, the it's pretty watered down. You can you basically only choose to attack an area, defend an area, or flank an area with your units. But once they're deployed, rather than just watching the battle play out, you can actually take direct control over any of the units on the battlefield and just run around and kill shit. Hmm. Yeah, which I thought was super cool. So it's also a first-person shooter. I mean, you can you can run around as your little army men and just shoot people, or run, drive around as the tanks, or fly around in a plane. It's super cool. Uh, it it's it, yeah, it's it's a it's a unit management game. So it it is all about you're you're presented with your opponent's army, which is you know dozens of tanks and planes and and squads of goons. And you have to set up your dudes in, in whatever way to try to take their base. Uh, so you, you get a certain access to... Th- there's a bunch of different campaign missions. You can pretty much play as any like country or territory during a bunch of different wars. And you're given access to a certain budget. And the budget has to carry you through the entire campaign of the war. But every battle rewards you with a little bit of extra cash. So you have to balance your budget... And and deploy, you know, 42 tanks and 15 planes and 45 army people uh, to try to combat what they have on their side. It, it's it's pretty straightforward. It's you have a lot of different units to choose from. There's repair vehicles, there's airplanes, there's infantry, there's like two different kinds of tanks or mortars, uh, lot, lots of different options on what to deploy. And all of those give you access to different sort of like strategic advantages in the battle but that's that's pretty much all there is to it you just do these different pre-planned sort of scenarios that are incredibly loosely based on real events uh in the in the sense that they are based in name alone uh the locations don't really have any resemblance to the real life locations there's no story or information about the history or the actual war you're not confined to anything from time period or like Mm -hmm. It's very much like you have tanks and drop your tanks in war and do war stuff uh, with with maybe with maybe like a quote from a notable person at the time going into the war. So like maybe Eisenhower shows up and goes like, hey, go to war for us, folks, or some something like that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he says his propaganda thing and he pieces. Exactly. It's, It's really straightforward. There's not a lot of propaganda because it's all just like one historic quote maybe and then no accuracy after that Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and then it's butts to nuts baby you're going wild and then it's just drop some tanks down and watch them kill each other or take control and and shoot things with the tanks so it it, that that's all there is to it there's a sandbox mode where you can just like set up epic battles if you really want Uh, i'm sure some people might do that and you might be able to recreate more historically accurate things that way than the necessarily confined campaign missions. Uh, but yeah, that's that's all there is to it. I think this game itself is an incredibly good introduction to unit management games because a lot of them have a lot going on and it can be very hard to parse and understand like what you're actually doing. So this one being very simple and straightforward and also having the blend of first-person shooter elements, I feel like if you've ever wanted to sort of get into a unit management style of game and you're just overwhelmed on where to start or how to like learn to play, this might be a great place to start. 
kind of reminds me weirdly of a game that I played once called uh, Nuclear Dawn. It's like a multiplayer uh, RTS FPS game where one player was playing as like the commander of the team and would issue orders to the FPS players, essentially. So like they're playing, like one player is playing an RTS with like all of the RTS features and then everybody else is playing the FPS that like the RTS person is yeah. I don't know. It's cool. It's cool. Exactly. Exactly. But it's, so it's I... like that, but more AI driven. It, yeah, 100%. I, I, think that's, I think that's the way to go with it. Yeah. I, yeah. Neat little game. Nothing, nothing to write home about, but interesting. Kind of cool. Worth it. Worth it as an introduction. Uh, that's it. But we do have an extra. That's for the meat. That's all the games. Yeah. Yeah. Extra baby. Let's do it. Extra baby. Okay, so this one, this is a really good extra. I didn't expect like anything out of this extra. I saw like the name, and I, I didn't research anything about it going into it. I think that made it like ten times better for me because it was like right up my fucking alley. Uh, it's called Hey Park Boy. So it is developed by Trey Brown. He's a 3D artist who worked on A Hat in Time, TF2, and more. Uh, it is a casual flower planting simulation adventure game, heavily inspired by uh, early 2000s era PS2 GameCube titles like Chibi Robo, Katamari Damacy, and Pikmin. So. Basically, the, the plot of this game is that you, you crash land in an abandoned park and you boy has to get home. And the only way he knows how is by making people happy. God bless. It's now your job to spruce up an old rundown city park and return happiness to planet Earth one flower at a time. So you play the role of a three inch tall non-government park maintenance guy. Uh, you run around and you water flowers and you make them dance by playing music on a keyboard. And then uh, by, by making them dance, uh, you sort of bloom and then cause a bunch more flowers to sprout up around. And then you got to water those. And it's like it, it sort of cascades out like, uh, you know, like a Katamari game where it gets bigger and bigger and bigger as you go. Uh, but it's also like really cute and it starts out super small and very low scale. Uh, you also uh, eventually get to... Uh, do stuff like clean graffiti and pick up trash for more cash. Uh, you can buy and sell objects such as flowers and uh, the different barriers that appear in your park in order to decorate it. Uh, and you'll also get to buy upgrades for you, boy. There are four little gadgets that you can obtain. Uh, there's like a basic watering gun that you can also use to jump around, a Gatling gun that's used to move around. Uh, there's like this thing that's used to clean up trash in your keyboard that you use to make all the flowers dance. Uh, the only thing that I really wish in terms of the upgrades is that there was like an upgrade to make the keyboard dancing go a little faster because you do have to kind of sit there for a minute and wait for the, the flower to finish dancing before it ends up popping up more seeds. And uh, if there was a way to speed up that process, I'd really enjoy it because everything else you get to speed up basically. And uh, yeah, it kind of flattens out over time because there's nothing left to obtain in the late game. Uh, and there, there is one thing that I did want to deliberate over because this is something that the, the developer did message me about on Twitter when, when I, when I brought the game or a playthrough to his attention. Uh, I mentioned that, uh, that we, we mentioned that you boy might be a capitalist, uh, because <laughs> he, he, he buys and sells all, all of his flowers and he'll, he'll only sell the ones that are specific colors. So he wiped out all of the, the, the colors in one area of the park to, to completely just, uh, to, to gentrify it and, and turn it into... Uh, an area where uh, you know he he can just make as much money as possible at the at the detriment to the, the people living there. So I think that's it's, you know it's, it's also it's something we're all talking about. Uh, <laughs> anyway, 
uh there's also like this big city it's cool because you're so small it's like really it's so big that it's it, like kind of intimidating there's like a little flower vendor that you can talk to though and a frog that you can meet who's also really cool and if you like perform on top of a little box there you get to do a street performance and get uh, a bunch of people to watch you do your little dance and they give you a tip for it and it, it's just so just so much in this game that's like so cute it just it makes my heart burst um as the game progressed, uh, more people start like using your park, and uh, you get like more stats to be able to track uh, what features of it that people like. Uh, there's also like an incentive to make the park pretty beyond like make it all green again, so you boy can leave, which is the ultimate goal of the game is to just turn every single square of the game green, so that that way you boy can leave. But uh, I guess this is a spoiler because this is what happens at the end of the game, so just keep that in mind. Skip to 1 hour, 4 minutes, and 48 seconds to avoid spoilers for Hey, Park Boy. But uh, when he makes everything green again, he realizes, he, he thinks about le leaving Earth, and, and he notices just how happy everyone is upon leaving. And, and he decides he can't leave. He comes back to keep his work up and to inspire more people to invest in local parks all around the world because he notices that because he made his park special, now people all around the world are starting to make their park special. And so the, the, the point of this is please invest in your local parks <laughs> and spread some happiness that way. Illegally go plant a bunch of flowers in your local park. <laughs> Do it right now. <laughs> Improve your park and spread happiness. You boy needs you to. It's, it's, it's your God-given right. So it's around six hours of playtime to beat the whole thing. And I 100% recommend this to anyone who, you know, might want a little U-shaped friend to in inject some happiness into their life planting flowers and dancing and bringing life to an abandoned little square of a busy industrial neighborhood uh being the sort of local governance that we all need but <laughs> never receive <laughs> hell yeah so that's it that, that, that's, that's all it. of the games for the month including the extras let's pound through this closing stuff real quick sure thing so what was your game of the month pathologic 2 easy yeah. it's so good it's so good I really want to play it too. Mine was Hey Park Boy. I I played a lot of good games this month, but nothing made me smile as much as Hey Park Boy. Hell yeah! So so Trey Trey Brown, thank you for making such a great game. Thank you for for lightening my day. What, what else, else have you been playing? playing? I've been you, playing. I uh, was. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> 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 okay you 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 go you go uh I, I picked back up monster train recently which god that game is so good yeah yeah that game seems like a lot of fun we've been playing jackbox too mm -hmm. and as mentioned at the top of this kingdom hearts melody and memories yeah we also played uh oh i didn't i didn't change any of this <laughs> Oops. i was waiting for you to notice <laughs> yeah i mean i played games i don't know it doesn't matter <laughs> I, I i can find out i played rust recently that was the big thing and dead by daylight hell yeah dope uh the the, the charity this month is the montreal children's hospital foundation once again still uh, their mission is to inspire and mobilize the community to support relentless innovation in research teaching and care at the montreal children's hospital an internationally renowned pediatric center affiliated with the mcgill university health center providing high specialized health care that's all one sentence in their mission statement that is all one sentence yeah you did it in one breath too i'm impressed <laughs>
Uh, our question this month was, what's your favorite piece of history you've learned from a video game? Uh, my answer to that is Edison murdering an elephant to create fear over Tesla's AC current. That is like one of the most distressing facts in history that when you learn it, it completely shatters your view of a person. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it like, I feel like it's very common knowledge now. I mean, they've done like a Bob's yeah. Burgers episode on it and everything, but like, I remember when I learned this, like when Assassin's Creed first came out and I was still young. Uh, <laughs> I I remember seeing this and I was like, oh fuck, Edison was a dick, and also like, wow, games actually teach real information sometimes. Yeah, dude, how wild is that? <laughs> it, my my version uh, for this question, uh, my answer was well, everything about the Warsaw Uprising that I learned from the game Warsaw that I covered for the podcast a while ago. I, I went on such a deep dive on Wikipedia and stuff and other websites after I played that game just because I, I wanted to know, like, how much of that was real. And a lot of it was, like, systemized and it was, like, you know, made made to appear like things that have happened but not to be exactly like things that have happened. But there were actual events and massacres that were referenced that, like, I, I got to learn up and read up on and an entire part of history that I literally basically never get told about in, in history books. The, mm-hmm. the Warsaw Uprising, the... the, the the Polish uprising against the, the the Nazi threat. It's a very, very interesting piece of history, and I'm very glad to have learned about it from video games. Hell yeah. Uh, drop your answer to the question in the Discord or on Twitter for us, and we'll we'll read it off on the next episode. Yeah, we'd love that. Yeah. Bundle Bourgeois at, 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 on Twitter, and um, we also got our Twitches as well. I'm Backstab on Twitch. I'm Guffwalker. Or, uh, or as, as some people say, Guffawalker. Guffa Walker. Yeah, Guffa Walker. Uh yeah, cool. That's it. We're done. We've done it. Yeah. Uh tell tell your friends about us if you like it, please. That'd be nice. We'd appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Well, hope you have a good day. Yeah, I hope you all have Evening. a good day. Night. Right. Whatever, whatever time it is. Who knows? Life. This could be the last time you hear from us. Probably is. We're stopping the show. We 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 made it one full year. Uh, like February will be will be our one year anniversary, so we're we're ending the show. We got a TikTok now that we haven't posted on because we both been hella busy. But oh yeah, soon. I should, it's coming. Yeah, soon. I'm gonna post one minute reviews on there of all the games that I covered for January. That's our plan at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna I'll do that, that before that. the month ends. Yeah. Same. Okay. Anyway. Bye. Bye. We need like a. We need like a. We need a send off. Yeah, like like the the, the ones from TV shows where it's just like. <laughs>there's some combat which oh <laughs> i was trying to read what i wrote uh, <laughs> yeah that, that look you just gave was really priceless it was like what the fuck idiot it was like you were you were saying that to yourself in your head <laughs> i was okay i was reading the word tussles but my brain wasn't processing like what tussles actually was so i was trying to figure out
what I meant by that word, like what misspelling I put. <laughs> You're thinking like, like, is it like Brussels? Is it like a place? Like, what is this? Like, tussle? What is this? Hussy? No. Okay. 